attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. Ready whenever you are. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Now, the Sports, Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. We will be out in Charlotte for the ACC tournament next week, but there are conference tournaments that are going to begin shortly. The Southern Conference tournament is this weekend, and UNCG will be in action Saturday at 6 o'clock in Asheville, and we're now being joined by the head Spartan, Wes Miller, who's kind enough to spend some time with us. Coach, how different is this week where, I mean, you go through the last couple of weeks playing a couple games a week, and now you just kind of sit back, wait till Saturday for your most important games of the year. Yeah, Josh, thanks for having me on the show. It, it is a little different. Um, you know, you're used to playing every three, four days for the last couple months, and then all of a sudden you have a seven-day break from your last regular season game to your first game in the conference tournament. Um, so it is a little bit different of a schedule, but, you know, we try to use it as an opportunity to get better this week. Uh, to have a little bit of growth and not just kind of bide our time. Um, but, you know, trying to figure out the right things to do during a seven-day break, that's that's a little bit of a puzzle, and, you know, we're doing our best to try to put it together. We've seen how good Wofford is throughout the year. Furman has been ranked in the top 25 as well. Do you feel the conference as a whole has gotten due recognition nationally? You know, I don't. Um, it's the, the league, and it's been trending this way for the last, you know, three or four years that our league just keeps getting better. And I think no matter what, like all the different metrics, I think we're like a top 10 league in America right now. Um, and I'm not sure that if you polled college basketball fans nationally, they'd even have any clue that we were in that conversation. So, so I'm, I'm glad, you know, that, you know, I have the platform on a show like this, but I hope nationally, you know, coming into March, people are talking more about our league. Um, because it is just tremendous. And you, you mentioned two teams that have been in the AP poll. Wofford's in the top 25 right now. Furman was uh, in non-conference play. You know, we've had a, a really successful uh, regular season. East Tennessee State's had a great regular season. Those are four teams that are, you know, top 60 in the nation in any metric that you look at. Um, and, you know, we've been pressed to have one team that's at that level, you know, over the, the seven, eight years I've been in the league. So it's just uh, it's amazing what the league has done. And then, you know, on top of that, it's not just the four teams that I mentioned, you know, uh, Sanford and Mercer and Chattanooga. I mean, it just you keep going down the list. The league is so competitive from top to bottom. The parity has is, is really been something special. So, no, it's a tremendous league. It's made for some, some really stressful nights preparing and coaching but it's just been a tremendous uh, college basketball league this year. Considering where perception is right now, though, would you be surprised if the Southern Conference only got one team? No. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, like a middle Tennessee last year was one of the 25 best teams in college basketball all year, didn't win their conference tournament and didn't get in. And I thought that was, to me, when I saw that, because I, you know, really admired that team and Kermit Davis and the job he was doing there. And I, when they didn't get in, it was kind of one of those moments for me as a, as a coach that was like, wow, that they really are trending towards the Power Five schools getting the at-large bids regardless of resume. Now, I, I'm who am I? I don't make the decisions. I'm not in the room. That's just the feel that I've kind of had over the last two or three years, you know, you know watching the, the tournament unfold, the selection process unfold. So it wouldn't surprise me because I do think there's a push for the Power Five schools into the tournament. But I really do believe on a fundamental level, like a league like ours this year should get a really strong look for multiple bids. I'm pretty biased, but I also think that the numbers say that when, when you really look at fundamentally how many teams we have that are some of the better teams in the country. Wes Miller is with us, the head coach of UNC Greensboro. UNCG will be in action Saturday at 6 o'clock at the start of the SOCON tournament. Obviously, you had a background in Chapel Hill. If we're at a party, if me and you are hanging out, Wes, and we're, we're playing a game where the best North Carolina-Duke rivalry story wins, what, what story are you bringing to the table? <laughs> 
man, there's some really good ones. I, again, I'm pretty biased in that conversation too. Um, you know, I was it was my senior night when Tyler Hansbrough broke his nose. Mm-hmm. And Gerald Henderson broke Tyler Hansbrough's nose. So that's probably the most talked about moment that I was a part of. Um, because it stole the, the all the fire, you know, from my senior night. Nobody ever remembers that it was my senior night because all they talk about is Tyler getting his nose broken. But um man, I, I thought that the neatest memory I have being a part of that rivalry was my junior season, um, which was the oh five, oh six season. Uh, and we went over to to Cameron on the, the last game of the regular season and beat Duke on their senior night. And that was J.J. Reddick and Sheldon Williams' senior night. And uh, obviously that's one of the, the great Duke teams. They were number one in the country that night. And it was just an incredible win for us. And uh, My teammates and I from that team still talk about it. So that that'd be the, the story that I'd brag about. Uh, and if I was sitting you know, with J.J. Reddick, I'd be sitting there telling that one. And he, who's a friend of mine and, and who I, I like a lot, respect a lot. So uh, that'd be the one there. But that was one special night. The last time you were with us, Wes, you were describing there is a group text message, a group text chain that you have between yourself and former Tar Heel players. When Zion Williamson's shoe blows out, try to paint the picture of what that group text was, was looking like. <laughs> um, you know, I listen, uh, I'm – some things are, are not to be talked about publicly, right? That's why it's, that's why it's special to be a part of that text. It stays within that text. I'll just say that, you know, that former player group chat, that Carolina former player group chat is pretty active during, during the Duke-Carolina game. And that, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But it, it's pretty neat just to see all the guys chime in, uh, you know, over the years and, and how many people stop and watch that game. It's pretty neat. Duke and North Carolina playing again on Saturday. And you mentioned Duke losing at home as the number one team in the country when you guys went into Cameron and beat them on J.J. Redick and Sheldon Williams senior night. The last two times that North Carolina's gone into Cameron with Duke being the number one team, the Tar Heels have won. The most recent one, of course, being what we saw with the aforementioned Zion Williamson shoe exploding and all of that. And what these North Carolina teams have in common is a Miller wearing number 22 because there was not... (laughs) A more visibly happier person I saw in that North Carolina locker room, that very small visitors' locker room in Cameron, than your brother Walker Miller. What's it like to have your younger brother follow in your footsteps and even choose the same number you wore in Chapel Hill? Oh, it's really neat. Uh, you know, uh, really, really special. And not just that he's, you know, at Carolina, um, you know, which is, you know, the same experience that I had, but. It's that he gets to play for the same for my college coach. You know, I, I think that's really neat. You know, a lot of people could go to the same school, but he's getting to play play for the same guy I did. You know, a decade later, and you know, so we can really share stories. And you know, I, you know, I always ask him questions about practice, and it'll be funny. He'll he'll say things to me about you know drills they did or you know things that coach told the team, and it takes me back to you know, 10 or 12 years ago, you know, maybe a, little, maybe a little longer than 10 now, but, you know, 12 or 13 years ago when Coach Williams was saying those same things to my teams. And so it's really neat. It's brought us closer together. You know, I'm the oldest of five, Walker's the youngest of five, and we're, you know, far apart in age. But basketball and North Carolina basketball certainly brought us a lot closer together. How much did Roy Williams play a role in you getting into coaching? You know, I – this has been somewhat documented, but the, it wasn't an easy decision for me to go to North Carolina. People may hear that and say, well, how is that hard? It's North Carolina basketball. But I, I really wanted to play, and I knew that it would be very difficult to play there. Um, and, and so it was hard for me to, to choose to go there over a couple of Ivy League schools that I visited you know, during that time where I knew I'd have a stronger role as a player. And the defining uh, you know, defining part of my decision to go there was that Coach Williams told me he would help me get into college coaching, which was, you know, my dream that when I was done playing, I'd, I'd become a coach. So, you know, that's the reason I went. To, I went to North Carolina, um, and he's followed through with that promise. You know, tenfold. Um, he's been been you know there with me every step of the way in my career. He's helped me get started in my career. Uh, 
he's supportive. He's always a phone call away. Well, he, he gives me a call sometimes when I probably need it the most and we're having some down times. I mean, I, I could speak on this topic forever, but he's just been so impactful uh, in my development as a coach, in my career as a coach. UNCG head coach Wes Miller ahead of the Southern Conference Tournament joining us here on The Drive. Now let's get to the most important stuff here. Uh, it's National Oreo Day. I'm sure you didn't know that, but <laughs> I, I, I got to know, where, where do Oreos rank in, in terms of your favorite cookies? Is there a cookie you would rank higher than Oreos? Chocolate chip for me. Wow. Uh, you give me a vanilla, vanilla ice cream and a chocolate chip cookie, I'm pretty happy. But I do love Oreos too. When you when you're dipping Oreos into milk, do you separate the cookie first, or do you just go all in with the complete package? Yeah, I'm all in. I'm just all in. If I'm going to eat cookies, if we're gonna, if we're going to eat like that, I'm trying not to eat like that, especially as this metabolism starts changing. Uh, <laughs> if I'm going to eat like that, I go all in. It sounds like there was a conversation that maybe took place between you and Ashley. I don't know what what. Is uh <laughs> maybe maybe stop hold up on the chocolate chip cookies? She she doesn't like it when I go all in on any dessert. That that's, <laughs> she's made that very clear. Wes, best of luck this weekend. Go get yourself a trophy, bring it back to the triad, and we'll talk to you sometime soon. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me. That's the head coach of the UNCG Spartans, Wes Miller, spending some time here. Getting to the most important subjects. Chocolate chip cookie guy. Okay. Up next, why discussing Danny Manning's future isn't so simple. This is The Drive. We need to talk. 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 This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. The lowest form of communication. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. We've opened up Pandora's box, specifically this cameo site that we scoffed at and laughed at when Devin Funches used it as his platform to announce he's not going to return with the Carolina Panthers. But what we're doing during the commercial break now, me in the studio and looking into the control room where Desmond Johnson and our intern Aaron, what we're all doing is simply... Combing through the list of talent, the talent list on the Cameo website of celebrities we can get to say something with the price tag next to them as well. You can send them something with this service and they will read it for you at a given price. And we're finding out that there's a lot of noteworthy people on here. There's a lot of former bachelors on there which you would expect, reality TV stars. But legitimate celebrities, Ice-T will say something for 150 bucks. Gilbert Gottfried for 150 What I want you guys to do, as I'm compiling my top 10 list here, my top 10 cookies, which we'll get to in a second, we need to figure out the top three for value. People that we can get to say something on this service. Because Antonio Brown, $500, I don't think it's worth it, especially when he's reading things the way that we... Learned he reads things, which is not that seriously. Lance Bass at 199, that seems to be a good value. Pauly Shore for a buck fifty? That's way too much for Pauly Shore. We all know Pauly Shore, though. How about this? This this has to be pretty high up, just because of how prominent their voice is, how recognizable it is. The same reason I think Gilbert Gottfried's a good value. Norm McDonald at a buck fifty makes some sense. Melissa Joan Hart for a buck fifty. I just mentioned her. <laughs> you did? Yeah, in here. We were scrolling through. I was like, ooh. Oh, so you mean where I couldn't hear voice? you? Yeah. <laughs> How about Sinbad for 75? Let's put together our top three. I don't know what's wrong with you. Top three. Hmm. Think on that. We'll return back to this in a bit. It's time for my top ten list. It is my top. 10 cookies. Dez hit the music. Whoa! It's that time of the week. Mmm. This music really sets the mood. Top 10 cookies. 
Do you have any idea what direction this list might be going in, fellas? Not at all, and I'm scared to death because I, I picked out a couple of cookie brands, which is where I think it should go. But I've known you long enough to, to know that it's probably not going to go the way I expect, so I've also got a couple of uh, ringers in there. Number 10. My number 10 cookie. Cookie Lion. Wow. That's a first, because that's the first thing I wrote down. Number 9. My number 9 cookie. Cocoa Cookie Crisp. Wow. That was the second thing I wrote down. You had Cocoa Cookie Crisp written down? Well, I, I don't co- believe I, you. I have Cookie Crisp written down. I right. should have known you would have, yeah, you would have stretched that out there. Cocoa Crisp. I'm giving it. I'm giving it. One you of the love. greatest names ever. Oh yeah, that and uh, Dick Trickle. Is Cocoa Crisp or Dick Trickle on cameo? Let's figure that out. Ooh, if Dick Trickle's on there. We gotta get him. Number eight. My number eight cookie. The Cookie Monster. Going well so far. Number seven. You just wait. My number <laughs> seven cookie. Larry Brownie. I'm going to give it to you because I think that was put in there as a test. Larry Brownie <laughs> That's definitely it. deserves a bell. How can you not give a bell to the most nomadic cookie in the history of all cookies? Actually, is a brownie a cookie? No, I don't think so. It's a dessert, though. Number six! My number six cookie. Chocolate Chip Kelly. It's almost too easy. I have to give that to him because I, I, I can't really. You know what I mean? Like I want to. I want to say no. That's just. That's just too much. But you got it. You, you haven't know. had a buzzer yet. Where are you? Like number six. We're at number six. He got done wrong. Only one year. I mean, one year for Chip Kelly in the NFL, and we, we've had enough with you with San Francisco at least. Oh, okay. I was saying, yeah, the Eagles. He spent more time. I mean, you would expect that for coaches that. Are brown like chocolate? Nah. That, won't, that doesn't count towards your official tally, though. No, it does not. <laughs> it yes, just black, wasn't good. black coaches, <laughs> it just wasn't good. they don't get the same amount of leeway we've learned in the NFL than white coaches. Where is Chip Kelly? He's at UCLA, isn't he? Yes, he is. Can we get to his second year? Pac 12 coach. Number five. I was thinking Pac 12 basketball coaches when we were doing that, but that is a Pac 12 coach. Who would have taken Number five. Top 10 cookies, my number 5 cookie, Samoa Joe. I told you, man, if I need a clarification or an explanation, then it's going to get a buzzer. What? He's a wrestler. I, we know Samoa who he is. Joe. How is that a cookie? You don't like Samoas? What is oh, that? God. Are you kidding me? What is Samoa? It's what is probably that? the most S'mores. popular Girl Scout cookie ever. Oh, Samoas. No. No. You don't know of Samoa. No. I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. And my niece is a Girl Scout. I've got bad news. Shame. This is going to really put a damper on this entire <laughs> top 10 list. <laughs> Philip writes in, Dick Trickle's dead, you idiots. Oh, no. Committed no. suicide a couple years ago. What? No, he did. Moving it along. Wait a minute. Hold Moving on. Moving it along. Look Number four, we're just gonna we're just gonna have that sit there. Let's move along from this. Look that up. Number four on my list, top ten cookies. Let's move away from suicide and talk about <laughs> cookies. Number four on the list, Cookie Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yeah. I don't quite understand it, but but Cookie Jar Jar Jar. Oh, come on, man. I feel it like the way the list, he said it, it was see, like a- intern Aaron actually understands the list <laughs> and he understands the creativity. It's just too over the top of Dez's head for him. No, I'm just expecting one thing and you and you do another. It's like waiting for the Tyson jab and you give the uppercut. Number three, my number three cookie Tua Tagalonga Viola. I do that with so much regret. So much regret. Another Girl Scout cookie. Tagalongs are great. See, that's probably why I didn't understand it. The only thing I didn't understand is. Tua Tagalonga Viola. 
work. That's too much work. Here's I gave the crazy you, I gave thing. You the thing. There's enough people out there who don't know how that last name is pronounced who actually might believe it is Tua Tagalonga Viola. <laughs> I'm glad you gave that a bell. If you didn't, I would come over there with a baseball yeah, you're, bat. You're, you're, you've only had one buzzer so far. Number two. My number two cookie. Oh, don't screw this up. The big Oreo. Sorry, no, 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 no. Yes! <laughs> no, 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 no. That was, that was the wrong one. <laughs> the big Oreo! <laughs> it is na- If you're wondering why we're doing top ten cookies, it is National Oreo Day. So here, okay, let me lay this out here. I think only once in the history of the top ten list have you made it through with only one buzzer. You have one buzzer right now. So everything right now is lining up for whatever this is. Number one! My number one cookie is the New York Snickerdoodles. I like that. (laughs) And by default, you get nine out of ten, so you have matched your own record. Wow. I feel like you still don't like the wordplay, even though you give it the bell. Yeah, I don't. Oh, he's cringing. He cringed like every time. That's New what York Snickerdoodles, man. Cr- if it's making me cringe, I'm like, it's not supposed to get a bell, but it, it felt like you worked really hard. You did really good, buddy. I think most people like the wordplay. I think you're alone on this. Like 336-777-1600. Do you like the wordplay? Yeah, let's ask. I'm down. Because <laughs> I don't know. 336 I do know. <laughs> this is one of the segments we get the most feedback on. Usually, people usually, love the wordplay. It's usually people guessing, like, things that they want to have too. in the list. Now, I had a couple. See, you didn't go the way I thought you would, and I actually wrote down legit, actual cookie Yeah, that brands. would be fantastic radio. Number 10, <laughs> Thin Mints. <laughs> <laughs> Number 9, <laughs> let's go with sugar cookies. I got some wordplay for you. That would have got a ding. What do you got, intern Aaron? Cookie Baker Mayfield. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Cooker. Uh, ain't bad, man. What did we learn about Dick Trickle? Oh. He's dead, man. Yeah, he died. He, uh, suicide in 2013. Shot himself in the chest. Well, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. <laughs> what? He could have been, al- been alive, and we killed him on the air by accident by saying he was dead. At least we thought he was I'd rather I'd rather assume he's alive than assume he's dead. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the better way to be wrong. We don't like being wrong. And it's still a great name, whether he's alive or no longer with us. What a dampened way to end this segment. I'm surprised you came back around to it. (laughs) Up next, why Duke Wake Forest had me thinking about Netflix. This is the Sports Hub. You're on the drive. What is going on? What is going on? Talk. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. The The Sports Sports Hub. Hub at AM 600, AM 920. There's a lot going on today. This It is National Oreo Day, and we are taking your submissions for ways that you dunk your Oreos into milk and your favorite types of cookies. So that's all positive and well. Alex Trebek and Jeopardy just put out a statement on their social media from Alex Trebek himself, announcing that he has been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Oh, gosh. But he plans to continue being on the air and fighting through it. So that's something people are talking about right now. Maybe we can find time to talk about that at a later point. R. Kelly saying crazy things. Antonio Brown might be traded by Friday. Duke almost lost to Wake Forest last night. C.L. Brown's going to join us from The Athletic in about 10 minutes. Your call's welcome at 336-777-1600. Let's go to Laura very quickly from High Point. Laura, big fan of Oreos? How, how, how do you dunk your Oreos? Well, I dunk them in regular milk. But I want to say, I've never thought about chocolate milk. And whoever asks you that is crazy because there's vanilla in an Oreo, too, and chocolate's the better flavor. So I think you are right on the money. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate that kind of support. I need support like that in my life. And you know what? After he asked me that question, guess what I kept doing? I kept dunking. 
You keep you keep dunking. I, I I dunk on people. That's right. You dunk That's on what them. I do. In more ways than one. <laughs> I've got some questions for Wake fans. However, many of them are left following this basketball team at this point. Are you feeling better today than if Duke would have won by 26-plus like they were favored to? Does it sting a little less knowing that the ball appeared to be on Johnny Brown's fingertips after the red light illuminated on the backboard? There, there were a lot of you, a lot of you, delighting in Duke looking very moral last night, missing free throws and making careless mistakes, such as the one that Jack White made down the stretch of this game. But I I tend to avoid overreacting to the small sample sizes and being a prisoner in the moment. And I prefer to look at the larger sample sizes and trying to figure out what teams are and what they aren't. And with Duke, I still see a team that has only been beaten once with all four freshmen in the lineup. Gonzaga beating Duke way back in November. That's the only time they've been beaten, and Gonzaga's the number one team in the country currently. And again, that was in November, and it was by one or two points. Duke didn't have Zion Williamson. Trey Jones was banged up in stretches of last night. Also, every great team goes through games like that. North Carolina lost by 21 at home to Louisville. Ah, but Josh, Louisville's in the tournament. North Carolina went to overtime with the Miami team that isn't going to the tournament. A team that Wake Forest beat last week. Virginia. They were in a scary, tight game at home with Notre Dame earlier in the conference season. So this type of stuff happens. I don't really believe in momentum. I think that's a media invention to make analysis easier and lazier. That's why I'm not really concerned about Golden State, despite the fact they've lost a ton of games against teams that they're better than. When, when April and May gets here, the Warriors, that's when we'll start to measure what exactly they are. And with Duke, when they get Zion in there, I don't really buy the fact, oh, well, they haven't been great the last couple of weeks. That means they're not going to be great in the tournament. We'll see. After all, with, with, uh, with Kyrie Irving, when Kyrie Irving came back, Duke got past the first weekend. They just ran into Derek Williams in Arizona and got beat either in the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16. So, I think Kay is going to sit Zion for North Carolina. Based on his comments last night, everybody seems to have a theory saying that Coach K has ulterior motive for sitting Zion and trying to secure a number one seed. C.L. Brown was at the game last night. He was writing about this saying that it might be in question. It might be too late for Duke by the time Zion comes back for the, to get a number one seed. So we'll talk about that at a later point. But on Wake's end, I want to spend time talking about them too. Do you feel differently today about this game? Do you feel differently about Wake Forest after watching this game? I, I think it's difficult to assess Danny Manning's Wake Forest career. It's, it's not black and white. It's not as easy as some people make it out to be. Oh, it was an object failure. No, he deserves more time because he's Danny Manning and deserves success. And he's had success. There's more people on the former than the latter. His resume doesn't re- warrant him, I think, remaining as Wake's basketball coach. But there are areas he deserves credit in. The type of players he's recruited. The Jalen Hordes of the world. Still being in the running for Cole Anthony, who is also considering North Carolina right now. I I think Dandy deserves credit for that. He gets a lot out of his players. The ones that don't transfer out, and eight players have transferred out in the last 14 months, which is startling. The ones that stay, they played pretty damn hard. And they nearly knocked off Duke last night, even though they did not have nearly as much talent. And he's been classy, and he's been graceful when it would be very easy to understand him not being at points. He's never popped off. It's been a tough situation. He doesn't have ACC players. He doesn't, aside from Chandi Brown and, and Jalen Horde. That, that seems to be it. Maybe Isaiah Musius eventually, maybe Torrey Johnson, but not yet. They're not that yet. And yet they still nearly did an incredible thing last night, nearly knocked off Duke. Last night should not change your opinion about Duke or Wake Forest. That 40-minute game should not do that for you. That's my overall bigger takeaway here. 
336-777-1600. Your reaction to Duke Wake Forest. Gerald from King is with us. Gerald, you're on the Sports Hub. What did you make of Duke? Gerald, you're on the Sports Hub. What did you make of Duke? Hey, what's going on, Josh? Not a lot. Hope you're well. No, everything's going great, man. Uh, I'll tell you why Duke should be worried right now. They are getting ready to go to Chapel Hill Saturday and play a Tar Heel team that's getting better and better and better every week, and Kobe White is off the chain right now. Here's the bigger question I'd have for North for Duke, though. And this is the question I'm going to ask C.L. Brown in a minute. If North Carolina beats Duke on Saturday without Zion Williamson, let's just say Zion doesn't play in the game, what will Duke have to do in the ACC tournament in order to get a one seed? What will they have to do? Will they have to win it? What if they lose in the round of four? What if they lose in the championship game? Would they be a number one seed? I don't know. Yes, Des. Uh, two quick things. I think they need to uh, to answer your last question there. I think Duke, if they lose Saturday, they probably need to get to at least Friday night, um, which would be semifinal Friday. Yes. Um, and at that point, they would be playing probably North Carolina at that point because Carolina would be the two seed if they sweep Duke. So it'd be two versus three because I think Duke is pretty much locked into that two three area. I don't think they can drop to four. Duke is the is going to be the number three seed in the ACC tournament. I don't think anything will change that. Um, the other thing, talking about Wake Forest, and I know we've talked about Duke and Wake Forest uh, today, but the one thing I don't know if either you or I have really said that I noticed watching them last night, Wake Forest, those kids played hard, and they played for Danny Manning. They, I, did, they didn't, I know you said that they play hard, but we didn't say specifically that they, they are playing for Danny, and it felt like they were playing for Danny Manning last night. They haven't tuned themselves out yet, you know? See, it's tough for me to say that, and I purposefully did not say that, because I think to infer they played for Danny Manning would to say they played harder than they normally do. And I was at the game, the Syracuse game on Saturday. I, I didn't sense a team that quit. I didn't sense a team that didn't play hard. That was That's never been my critique of Wake Forest. But like they kicked another so, gear yesterday. Usually, well, I think that's more, that has more to do with playing Duke and Cameron right, than exactly. it does Danny Manning. But they got, my point is they got up for him. Right. Yeah. But I don't know if that's for Danny Manning. As much as it is, you're playing at Duke. I mean, how much do you get to play in that place? That 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 will elevate anybody. You're always going to have a target on your back if you're Duke. But for people who are critical of Danny Manning, and there are a lot of people that aren't, there's fair criticism. Winning four conference games in year five, having all these players transfer out and players go pro who probably should not go pro, one NCAA tournament appearance in five years, You'd be wrong to say everything's bad, though. It's not black and white. It's not, that guy's a clown, this guy's awful, he's just terrible. Everything about him. Danny Man, it's not that. He's a legend in college basketball. He's a legend from this area. He's well-liked. He's like a bull. He's handled himself classy. Uh, very classy, and he's also been graceful. And... He also gets a lot out of his players, and his players respond well to them, and I think that stuff matters. Let's go to Mark in Greensboro. Mark, you're on the Sports Hub. Duke, if they lose to North Carolina coming up this Saturday, I think there's real question whether or not they deserve to be a one seed no matter what happens in the ACC tournament, short of them winning the ACC tournament title. What do you make of the Blue Devils and their seeding opportunities? Well, uh, I just said to Dez, you know, it reminds me of, um, this is probably what, almost 15 years ago now, and UConn won a national championship in 04, and they were a, a number one team that people thought was, you know, the most talented team in, in basketball, and kind of underachieved down the stretch for different reasons, and got a two seed, and I think they had the second most average uh, scoring margin of a national championship team. Um, so it really doesn't, it matters, but it also doesn't matter depending on matchups. You get a 16 or a 15. And if Duke has Zion and they're a two seed, I mean, is there a better two seed ever in history? <laughs> um, probably not. So that, you know, and, uh, and just real quick, you know, with the Danny Manning stuff, I think, I, I honestly don't think that the kids are playing so much for him as that's a tough spot to be in. You don't know if he's going to be there, so, but you, you have pride. And you're not maybe maybe some kids don't want to play for him, but they also are competitors. So it's kind of a it's a tough one for the kids. You don't necessarily know if it's for him or if it's just for themselves. 
Thank you, Mark, for the call. If Duke loses in Chapel Hill, that's the question I'm going to ask C.L. Brown. Can they still gain a number one seed short of winning an ACC tournament title? He works for The Athletic. He was at the game last night. CL joins us next on The Drive. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. CL Brown from The Athletic with us. You can follow him on Twitter at CL Brown Hoops. Read his stuff, theathletic.com. He was at Duke Wake Forest last night, and his story today centered around how Zion Williamson being absent the last couple of weeks is impacting Duke and its seeding, looking at whether or not he will play Saturday night. Mike Krzyzewski, after the game, said that it's unlikely he's going to play against the Tar Heels, but he'd be surprised if he's not ready for the ACC tournament. So certainly a lot to get into. CL, how's it going, man? Josh, what's good, man? I want to believe that uh, the regular season's ending. <laughs> it's crazy to think that a week from yesterday we will be starting the ACC tournament in Charlotte. But I want to go through, since you were writing about Zion Williamson and his impact on Duke and a lot of other things, I, I want to go through the list of things Zion's injury may impact. And if Zion doesn't play Saturday night and Duke, say, loses to North Carolina in Chapel Hill... What will it take in your mind for Duke to gain a number one seed? What will they have to do in Charlotte? Um, that's a good question. I think at the very least they would have to beat Carolina <laughs> in, in you know, probably a semifinal game at that point um, to reach the, the final game. Because I, I feel like it's really shaping up to be a Carolina or Duke for that uh, last number one well, uh, for one of the number one seeds, because I don't think at this point the ACC will get three number one seeds, and, and Virginia, to me, is a lock for number one right now. If Zion Williamson doesn't go on Saturday, who is your vote for National Player of the Year? It's still Zion. <laughs> I mean, to me, he hasn't missed enough games. You know, I mean, if we if we... If, if the ACC tournament comes and he hadn't played or whatever, you know, we're, we're talking about double-digit games that he missed, then maybe that changes it a bit. But at this point, it's still, I mean, I, we can't deny what we saw, you know, <laughs> for for the whatever 25 games that he's played in um, up to this point. So, uh, and and to me, there's there's a huge separation between him and who I would put at number two. And I don't even know who I'd put at number two right now. Maybe Marcus Howard from uh, from Marquette. Uh, maybe maybe John Morant from from uh, Murray State. Um, even R.J. Barrett has a legitimate argument uh, for for to you know to be ranked high in the Player of the Year. But it's this is Zion's year, man, and 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 doesn't really seem like anybody's really pushing him for uh, for a second spot. I, I agree with you, and I hope most people will agree with what you're saying too, because we tend to overthink these things sometimes. I felt like Tua Tonga Viola should have won the Heisman Trophy, but the last couple of weeks he gets uh, he gets benched or he gets injured at halftime of a game that Jalen Hurts led Alabama from behind in, and what you did for me recently weighs on people's minds. I think it's easy to overthink this, but your answer is correct, and I think what you noted is an important thing, too. He's missed games, but it's not the same thing, say, than what Justin Robinson has been through at Virginia Tech. That's an all-ACC caliber player who was having an all-ACC type of season, but he missed half of the league schedule Zion's missed five games. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we see what Duke is without Zion, too. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Which isn't a very good product, even though they do, you know, obviously they do still have a lot of talent without them, but um, they're just nowhere near the same team. And without Zion, to me, they have, you know, I was going to say no chance, but I'd say very a very small percentage chance of winning a national title. A discussion I like having with people is – this idea of momentum. Some people believe in it. Some people think it's a media invention that makes analysis easier and lazier. Zion Williamson, he, he if, if he doesn't play Saturday, he'll return for the ACC tournament. You're going to hear the discussion. 
How concerned should you be about a guy who hasn't played in a month at the most important games of the year? Let's say he does return for the ACC tournament at full health. What What's your concern level for Duke heading into the NCAA tournament? Uh, none. <laughs> if he's back fully healthy and, you know, there's no kind of restriction, then they're not saying we're going to limit his minutes or anything like that. I mean, I would, I, w- I would think the ACC tournament will allow him to kind of get his legs back under him and for Duke as a team to just kind of get used to playing with him back in the lineup again. Because even, you know, even though they've played so many games with him, there's still a, there's still a, an adjustment when somebody leaves and comes back like that. So um, I think they'll, you know, just kind of get get back in sync with Zion in the lineup and then they'll be ready for the NCAA tournament. I mean, I, I'll put it this way. Would you want Duke in your bracket knowing that Zion's fully healthy again, you know? I, and, and I think most coaches would be like, nah, <laughs> hard pass. I mean, we're still at the point where there's only one team that has beaten Duke with the four freshmen together, and that was Gonzaga way back in November, and that Gonzaga team is number one in the AP poll this week. So I, I'm right there with you. I, I'd take a healthy Duke pretty much over anybody, and that isn't sliding – uh, some of the other top teams as well. C.L. Brown's with us from The Athletic, and you are listening to the Sports Hub. So Wake Forest, on that end of it, I- I'm interested in how we can be a prisoner of the moment in just one game, and you see Wake fans who are now, we even had some on the air here say, you know, Danny Manning's recruiting the right kind of player, the kids play hard for him, and y- you see what happens last night when guys are committed to what he's trying to execute, what they can potentially do. I, I I don't think I think you got to value larger sample sizes over smaller ones. What, what do you envision happens at Wake Forest with Danny Manning now that Ron Wellman has identified his successor in John Curry earlier this week? Yeah, well, I, I tweeted last night during the game that if if Wake Forest showed that kind of you know uh, fight and if they competed like that in every game, regardless of what their record would be right now during the course of the year, then we wouldn't even be having this conversation because even with a losing record, if they showed that kind of fight all year, then, uh, you know, I'd feel like Danny Manning's uh, job status would be solidified and people would be, as you said, talking about next year and how these guys stay together, they're going to be all right. I mean, he he does have pieces in place and, you know, if, uh, if Hoare comes back to school, if Brown comes back to school, Brown has been on a pretty good tear. It's been excellent. Uh, I say these last few games, and and kind of looking like the player that I think a lot of people thought he could be um, uh, when uh, the season began. But um, there's really it's it's I don't really have a good answer right now, Josh. I think whenever you get a new AD who didn't hire a coach, you know, there's always that. Uh, that he's going to be judged on the results of somebody else's guy. You know what I mean? So a lot of times that it's just a matter of uh, it's just a formality. Like, you know, a new AD is going to bring in uh, their own uh, hire. So um, it it would be interesting. I wish I could be a fly on the wall when, when Curry and Manning first, uh, you know, first met and first had a conversation uh, when, when that announcement was made because I think um, – I think John Curry already knows, you know what I mean, whether whether or not he's going to be uh, pursuing uh, pursuing the boosters to kind of get it done, get a buyout done, and, and try and usher somebody else in, or if he's taking a, a longer approach where he's, he's going to wait and see kind of what the offseason looks like for Wake and, uh, and go from there. Here's what I found interesting. At the press conference a couple of days ago, somebody asked about basketball and whose decision it would be and such, and Ron Wellman it seemed like he had it now. It's saying, well, John Curry's going to be the guy, and that I mean, he it, he's going to be responsible for making that decision when he takes takes over on May the first, whatever. He uh, he said, no, this this is this is up to me right now. If something happens, I'm going to be the one that is making the decision when it comes to Danny Manning. Um, one, do do you completely buy that, knowing exactly what you just said? John Curry is going to have to make decisions for this athletic department moving forward, and he's already been named the successor. And, and number two, why do you think Ron Wellman would say something like that? Well, I mean, I think it could be true. I think I think, I think, think they could both, both things could be true. It could be Wellman's decision until he leaves 
but we've seen late coaching changes made. You know, Thad Mata at Ohio State comes to mind. He ended up that was like a June, um, a June. I don't know. If yeah, it was June because Braxton Beverly, Braxton Beverly was on campus, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was exactly. he was locked in. Yeah, that's what led to his whole situation. Yeah. So uh, so I mean, it could, it could be true that Wellman, uh, while he's still there, while he's technically still the AD. Does, does not make a move. Let's say he does not make a move on Danny and and John Curry come in and kind of see things differently, and and he does make a move. So, um, so I think ultimately it will it will still come down to what John Curry, what his vision is for the uh, the athletic department, and uh, you know how how he wants to move. But just my my guess and my gut, and this isn't based on. <laughs> solid reporting or anything like that, some kind of intrepid interviews I've done on the side. I kind of feel like Curry's gonna gonna give Danny a year, uh, you know, just just so he'll be he'll be able to kind of see how everything is working. He'll be there and and uh, you know and Danny will be judged on what happens next year. C.L. Brown from the Athletic with us here on the drive. It is National Oreo Day today. Do you dip? Do you break the cookie apart when you dunk it into milk, or are you not an Oreo guy? Uh, I'm kind of weird. Like, I only like cookies and cream, Oreos and cookies and cream ice cream. Oh. I don't I don't eat Oreos separately from that. Like, to me, it's, it's, it's like, nasty eating them separate from this. It's like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know why it is like that. <laughs> I do agree that so cookies and cream is the best flavor. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and your favorite cookie is? Do, do do you go traditional chocolate chip? Are you a sugar cookie guy? Girl Scout cookie? Uh, snickerdoodles? Chocolate chip every time, man. If it's chocolate chip and any other cookie, sometimes maybe peanut butter, but chocolate chip is, is like sleep. Like, it's undefeated, man. <laughs> when you have an opportunity, <laughs> you take it. It's a number one seed, chocolate chip cookies. Exactly. CL, uh, enjoyed what you wrote for The Athletic. You can check it out, theathletic.com. Uh, and follow him on Twitter at CL Brown Hoops. We'll uh, chat with you next week. It's crazy to think we'll be in Charlotte, CL. I know, right? Appreciate you, Josh. We'll, you got it. We'll do this live next week. Oh, right? we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. That's CL Brown spending some time with us today. How about that at the end, though? And I'm not talking about the cookies and cream ice cream. I meant him saying he feels like that John Curry's going to give Danny Manning a year to kind of evaluate and to see what's happening. That will be an interesting case study. It really will be to see what the Wake fan base is thinking, what guys like Mitch John, important donors, feel about that. Because right now, you have to think John Curry's just reading the room. He's trying to figure out what the pulse of this is. Is it tenable? That's the most important question for him. Obviously, you wouldn't want to go to a place and wreck things if you don't have to. We're talking about an AD who was fired at his last gig because he unseated an unpopular coach, botched the hire, and then he ended up fired a month later. So if he doesn't have to make a move, you best believe John Curry isn't going to. So that's what he's trying to do right now. He's trying to assess, is the situation untenable or tenable? Tenable enough where you don't shell out 12 to $14 million in a buyout, based off what I'm hearing or what Jeff Goodman said, to be $18 million in a buyout. you got to figure out if that's that that's what John Curry's most important thing is right now over the next week, week and a half, along with Ron Wellman, to figure out just what the room is, what the temperature is. Yes, Dad. I, you know, we had a caller earlier in the show that was kind of echoing some of that stuff. And from talking to Wake Forest fans, like diehard Wake Forest fans, I don't catch the feeling that they're – that they're so angry with Danny Manning that he's just got to go. They're just tired of losing. And I, I really feel like they would rather win with Danny Manning. Like, I think that they really like the hire and like Danny. I mean, what's not to like? He's a great guy. Great guy. From this area. Great story. So, I mean, it was a great story for Wake to even, get him. I'm not even suggesting that they should make the move. Right. I'm just telling people I would never do that. That's not my job. That's not what I like to do on the radio. I don't like saying, this coach should be fired. Off with his head! That, that's not the type of show I want to do here. The show I want to do is kind of give you a sense for what I'm hearing and what I can see happening. All I've said all along is, if I had to guess, 
Wake Forest is going to part ways with Danny Manning. If I had to guess. That's not based off good info. Just like CL said, from his side of it, he 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 feels like that. Danny Manning might get another year. So it really is going to be uh, interesting to see what happens with Wake Forest and and see if they have the same amount of fight they did last night against Duke when they're playing a very good Florida State team in their last home game. It's their last opportunity in front of Wake fans at home to to send that message for what should happen. Danny does have four guys signed for next year. Um, they're all three-star guys, you know, guys that you can kind of grow with, I guess you could say, over the course of it. They're three, four-year players, really. Um, and he's got some decent, you know, guys size-wise, you know, in terms of where they are position-wise, nationally, everything. If they give him a shot and he can hold on to some of this talent, like if Jalen Hort stays for sophomore year. Shondi Brown. If Shondi Brown stays for sophomore year and he can put him with another class and kind of get rolling, middle of the ACC next year, that doesn't sound like it's not feasible. That might be an NCAA tournament team. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I'm kind of in that same boat. I think I would give Danny Here's the problem. Well, here's the problem with that. They don't play defense. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't play defense, and we're, those are some pretty big ifs with Horde and with Chondi Brown and with some of these other parts on the team, Torrey Johnson and uh, Isaiah Musius. It's easy for us to say, they're on the roster now. We could expect them to be there next year. But we did this with Darrell Moore. And we did this with Bryant Crawford. We, 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 we've done this before. And then guys transfer out. Guys go to pro go pro early when they probably shouldn't. Um, and then Wake's left with an empty, empty cupboard. So that's, that's all very concerning. And that's all stuff we can explore as time goes on. Des, what do you got in our Ticket to the House stories today? Uh, Esquire put out their uh, list today of the James Bond actors ranked from one to six. So we're going to go through them and see if they are just totally loony or if they nailed it. Mm, James James Bond actors. Yeah. From Let me start thinking about six. this. We take it to the house next.